Lauren. I'm Ellen. And I'm Sam. And we're just here to cause chaos. <laughs> Honestly, you should keep that first bit in. Just, why can't we be both a history and an ASMR podcast, Sam? Why are you limiting me like this? Hello. <laughs> Today on the Chaos Cast, we're going to talk about... I'm sorry, but yeah, we're here. <laughs> okay, that's why. Because we can't <laughs> stop laughing. But in all seriousness, this week we are talking about Bessie Coleman. Wow. Uh-huh. Yes. Bessie Coleman is the first African-American female and first Af- Native American female pilot. First Native American, actually. The, oh, first Native American in general mm-hmm. pilot. Let's get started. Okay. <laughs> this is a rough start to an episode. <laughs> you can tell we took a week off. <laughs> We're a little rusty. It's one of those things where if you don't practice for a week, just get out of shape. Dang it, we went to the holidays and now here we are. <laughs> this is what we get for being good Jews. I know. Anyway. <laughs> Bessie was born Elizabeth Coleman on January 26, 1892, in Atlanta. Hey, that's where I'm from, except it's not because she was born in Atlanta, Texas. Did you see me start to lean forward towards the microphone to correct you? <laughs> you no faith, this is a comedy podcast. I honestly thought you just didn't read the whole bullet point. <laughs> Sam, I'm not you, okay? If you send me a list of four things, I'll read all four things. Wait, you actually read these notes? I thought you were coming into this cold. (laughs) This is a reference to the time I tried to make Sam edit, and I sent her a very easy-to-read list of four things to do. She did half of them. I edited the podcast. It was very intuitive. I didn't need a list. There was a and list this is for why a you reason. edit the podcast now. Yes, this is exactly why. <laughs> so Elizabeth was immediately given the nickname of Bessie, and that is the only way I will be for referring to her from now on. Does that make you think of a cow as much as it makes me think of a cow? Why why is that associated in my brain? Is that like a cartoon character or something? I did not think of that, and now it's the only thing I'm thinking about. So, look what cool, you've but done. Who is Bestie the Cow? I know it's a character from something. I think it's just like a stereotypical cow name. I'm looking this up. Okay, you do that. Meanwhile, Bessie had 12 brothers and sisters, which is objectively too many. It is a cartoon character. Cool. Good to know, Sam. <laughs> Her mother was Susan Coleman, that's her name, Uh, and she was an African-American maid, and her father was George Coleman. He was a sharecropper. Sharecropping is like basically slavery, but legal. And her father was a mixed Native American and African-American race, so she has Cherokee grandparents, hence first Native American pilot. And in 1901, her father moved to Oklahoma, uh, which was 
Indian territory at that point to try to escape discrimination because that was going around a lot. Really? The oh, 1930s yeah. The yeah. 1930s had discrimination? Oh, oh wait, not... this is like not even 1930s. This is like the 1900. Yeah, it was worse back then. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, things didn't get better for a while. Are they better? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> Like the sixties did help, but sixties did help. There. <laughs> so her dad's gone. Her mom did not move. She decided to stay in Texas and move the rest of the family to a place called Waxahachie, Ten- Texas. Sam, do you know how to pronounce that word? Oh no, I was waiting to see you do it. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So they moved on to an different sharecropping farm. So Bessie's helping pick cotton and do laundry to earn extra money as a kid. Which, yeah, I don't like that image. No, me neither. And she went to a small segregated primary school, which, that's a small school. Like, you know how much commitment you gotta have to segregate it? Like, that's just I've petty at that point. I thought that. I'm like, these rural communities barely had enough kids to, like, fill a school. Why were they segregating them? Like, there are, like, ten kids in this entire town. Reese and all of them are related to Bessie because she's got twelve brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> so Bessie would walk four miles every day to her one-room schoolhouse. Uh, and she did this every day from the age of six. And essentially, she was your grandparents who walked uphill both ways in the snow. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) It probably didn't snow in Texas. It snowed in her heart. She also went to a missionary Baptist school on scholarship once she finished primary school. So, she's smart. Or poor. We don't know. Or both. Yes. Probably both. Probably both. When she was 18, she got enough money to attend the Colored Agricultural and Normal University in Langston, Oklahoma. I don't want to know why it's called Normal University. (laughs) It's still around. Oh. But now it's named Langston University. Good. (laughs) It It is like a big historically black college, though. But unfortunately, she had to drop out after only one semester because she was poor and she didn't have a scholarship for this one. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know that. So by 23, she moved to Chicago to go live with her brothers. Of which Which there were brothers we don't know. I tried to look it up. No one knew. There were many to choose from. (laughs) So instead, she went to the Burnham School of Beauty Culture. And we're in 1915 by this point. And she becomes a manicurist at a local barbershop. White Sox barbershop. I'm pretty sure White Sox is a New York team, but whatever. No, White Sox is definitely in Chicago. Is the Red Sox in New York? No, the Red Sox are in Boston. There are no Sox in New York. What? The Yankees and the Mets are in New York. How do you know so much about sports? How do you not know where baseball teams are? <laughs> I only care about the Braves, and they're in Atlanta. 
Done. You clearly were not forced to watch baseball as a child with your father, and it shows. <laughs> no. My mom tried to get my dad to play basketball with Wee Months, and my dad's response was to go to the library and give me books about basketball. Ah, uh, see, my father was very disappointed that I came out female. Mm. So I had to watch a lot of baseball. Yeah, me and my dad didn't bond over that. <laughs> yeah, but you still like your dad. That is true. My dad's pretty great. Your dad is great. Mm-hmm. Oh, meanwhile, back back to Bessie and her life. <laughs> she had another job as a restaurant manager at a chili parlor. And as at this point, she wanted to earn money to go to flight school. Do, do, do. Yes, this is where things get interesting. So her brothers went off to fight World War I, otherwise known as the Great War. <laughs> I love that you say that every time World War I comes up. <laughs> like, without fail. Like, I don't think you've missed a single World War I reference. <laughs> if we're going to be historically accurate, it was called the Great War back then. What well, yeah, they didn't do? know there was going to be a second one. Exactly. <laughs> Have you ever seen those memes where it's like Time Traveler goes back to, and they're like, ah, World War One, Or they're like, the Great War descended, and the guy's like, ah, great, World War One. That must mean it's like 1920 or whatever. And the guy's <laughs> like, World War One. <laughs> I have seen those memes. Fantastic. The Chaos Cast, where you go to hear me badly explain memes. <laughs> So anyway, the brothers come home and they're like, man, France was awesome. And her one brother, John, is like, oh, bet you wish you had been to France. Women can learn to fly there and they can't learn to fly here. What an ass. I know. So she's like. Also the only brother whose name I could find. (laughs) I looked. She had like 12 siblings. Only one I know about is John. And it's because he was an asshole. <laughs> so anyway, Bessie takes that as a personal challenge. <laughs> I mean, she did. She's got a lot of spite in her soul. I get mm-hmm. it. Oh, you can personally relate. Sam's- My entire career is about someone telling me I couldn't do something when I was 12, so... Exactly. Sam's engineering origin story is spite. <laughs> My continuing engineering story is spite. At this point, she's gone too far. She's getting a PhD. She can't back out now. In my undergrad, my fluid dynamics teacher told me that my female brain can never comprehend fluid dynamics. And guess what? I'm getting a PhD and I'm taking grad level fluid dynamics this quarter. And when I do well in it, I'm going to be like, showed you. Except for he'll never know. But I'm gonna know. Yes, you will. He was like 70 years old or something, but I will know. God. That's that's almost cartoonish. (laughs) Also, to be fair, I don't think any human brain can comprehend fluid dynamics. Yeah, I know it's hard. Mm -hmm. And you want to know what doesn't make it easier? My teacher refusing to give me help. Oh, God. But just as you could not get help from your teachers, Bessie Coleman could not get help from any flight teachers 
because she kept applying to flight schools and no one would take them. Is so, she applying to flight schools? She was applying to flight schools. Yeah, but you, you didn't say a P last time. You said an F. I don't know about that. That sounds wrong. So back in the day, flight schools were like, listen, we take white men. We don't take women. We don't take black people. And we don't take Native Americans. And then they looked at Bessie and they said, oh, Mike, I don't even think it's legal for you to be here. (laughs) So. The past. Oh, the past. So Bessie makes a new friend. The famous African-American newspaper publisher, Robert Abbott. And she's like, man. My brother told me all about France and how women could learn to fly there and I just I want to learn how to fly but I can't do it here and there's no solution and he's like what if you move to France and she's like what and that's exactly how that went word for word Mm -hmm. so now she has to try to learn French which is a whole other thing she has to do so she's taking French night classes at a language school because if you're going to apply to French flight school, you have to do that in French. That's a level of commitment that I don't think I understand. <laughs> I'll say that's kind of me and how I accidentally ended up fluent in Spanish. Kind of, not really. But anyway, Robert Abbott is like, this is the most entertaining thing I've seen in years. So he's writing a story about her and how she wants to go to flight school. And he puts this in his Chicago Defender newspaper, and it's so popular that she gets financial support from the newspaper, as well as Jesse Binga, who was the founder of the first privately owned African American bank. So basically- have all the money. Yeah, basically she had a Patreon before it was cool. (laughs) And we don't. We still don't. Yeah, well, we need followers who aren't personal friends of ours to before we have a Patreon. Uh, and reviews that we don't have to bribe people to get. Speaking of which, if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a sticker. <laughs> they have our little cartoon on them. It's really cute. They are really cute. So finally, after all this... She gets accepted into the Cauldron Brothers School of Aviation in La Crotoy, France, which I'm sure is pronounced not at all like LaCroix, and yet that's how I said it. Yeah, when I was writing it, I kept saying LaCroix fans in my head. Good. (laughs) So she actually moves to France in November 1920, and by... June 15th, 1921, she receives an international pilot's license from the Fédération Aeronautique Internationale. So then she just stayed in France for a bit because France was cool and she learned some pilot tricks. Pilot tricks? Yes, ace pilot tricks. The cool stuff. Ace pilot tricks. Cool stuff. Thank you for repeating. Cool stuff. Okay. But we're an ASMR podcast now, right? You know, this was a mistake. You started it. 
This is the one mistake I've ever made. Uh. Okay. <laughs> so Bessie had a dream. Like some other famous African American people. But this one was a little more oh modest. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to own her own place and open her own flight school. So she's given speeches. She's showing films of her air tricks. She's trying to go, she's basically having fundraisers at churches and theaters and schools. However, she still had her principles, Sam. She refused to. Okay. In her quest to get a plane, she has principles. Yes. Cool. She refused to speak anywhere that was segregated or that discriminated against African Americans. But isn't that everywhere? Yes, I'm sure that was very limiting. <laughs> However, dignity is very important in the quest to get your own plane. Fair. Mm hmm. So by September 1921, she goes back to the US. Now, the only way to make money as a pilot back then was to perform dangerous aviation tricks. Yes, in front of audiences. So, kind of like Annie Oakley, except she's flying a plane and not shooting people. Fair. Yeah. Also, by the way, they just didn't have commercial air travel back then. Well, yeah, they barely had planes. Exactly. There was like The two... planes didn't have roofs yet, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, in the late 30s or 40s eleanor roosevelt had to do a whole pr campaign for planes they're like look i can ride a plane and if it's good enough for the first lady it's probably safe enough for you i love eleanor roosevelt if we ever do her it's gonna have to be like a three-parter or something she's so great oh yeah there's so much there <laughs> however bessie didn't seem to be too fond of the u.s probably for obvious reasons because in February 1922, she goes back to Europe and listen. You know what? I would too. Yeah, fair. Or, honestly, it might just have been a practical business decision. She needed to get cooler, better tricks so she could get more money to get that plane. But of course, no one in the U.S. would teach her. Because, again, racism. Why didn't she just stay in Europe? I don't know... Maybe her 12 brothers and sisters are keeping her in the US? I just, I always wonder that in stories like this where they like go back and forth to Europe and they have a way better life in Europe, like why not just stay? I don't know. Why do people keep simping for their home country? I don't know, our home country kind of sucks. Yeah. And I'm still not over Marie Curie and her love for Poland, inexplicably. <laughs> She really liked Poland. Uh, so anyway, Bessie is traveling. She's training in France, in the Netherlands, in Germany. She actually meets the famous aircraft designer, Anthony Fokker, who took her under his wing. That's a pun. And <laughs> I know, I made it. <laughs> I don't know if I'm liking this new dynamic. <laughs> You're too knowledgeable about this. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know everything that you're going to say because I wrote it. <laughs> he had his test pilot's trainer. And I'm sure the test pilots for an aircraft designer were absolutely insane. So she must have learned some insane stuff. So finally, now she's like, I am fully equipped. And she goes back to the US where she becomes an exhibition flyer. So immediately, huge success. It's awesome. She has black spectators. She has white spectators. She has people mingling. She's single-handedly defeating segregation. She's also getting interviewed in all the newspapers. In September 1922, she performed the first public flight by an African-American woman. It was an event honoring the all-black 369th Infantry Regiment from World War I, and it's sponsored by Roger Abbott. He was there earlier, remember? Callback. Wow. And they show-billed Bessie as the world's greatest female flyer. Why did you have to put the female there? Because that is what they said. And I know, uh, but why did they have to put the female there? I don't know. There's a small chance there might have been better pilots, but I doubt it. I'm pretty sure she was the best of all of them. Yeah. Bessie had some tricks that she became known for. She did loop-de-loops and figure eights in her airplane, which sounds like so much fun. Sounds like so much fun. <laughs> also sounds like a great way to throw up though. Absolutely. My dad took me on a glider once, which is like a plane, and they just turn off the engine halfway through and I got to fly it a little bit. And the guy was like, hey, maybe you should be careful. And I was like, Vrr! And then he was like, yeah, that's some Air Force nonsense. Please stop. It was great. Would Sounds recommend. Sounds right. <laughs> I have a lot of... I just have that kind of aura. Yeah, you do. I wouldn't give you the controls of an airplane. Yeah. Also, I'm learning sword fighting. That's not relevant, but I'm telling everyone I know. I know you are. You texted me when you signed up for the class. No, you texted me before you signed up for the class asking if you should sign up for the class. Then you texted me once you signed up for the class, and then you told me once you went to the class. You specifically asked for updates from the class. I wanted to know how sword fighting went. <laughs> you don't get to complain about com communication. You I wasn't asked complaining. For. I was saying that we communicated. We also okay. talk like five times a day. I don't understand why this is surprising. That's fair. So Bessie immediately becomes super popular in the US and Europe. She's touring the country, giving flight lessons, which is almost what she wants to do. She's performing in flight shows, and she is doing her best to encourage other African Americans and women to learn how to fly. In the 1920s, she met Reverend, oh, Hezekiah Hill. I knew exactly what was about to happen and it made me so happy. Fire name so hard. Anyway, and his wife Viola. Like the instrument. Or Davis. Oh, or like Davis. So this couple invited her to stay with them in Orlando, Florida, 
and they're like, finally, the daughter we never had is living with us. And she stays with them for a long time. I mean, that must have been nice for her. She didn't have, like, the best home life. She had a million brothers and sisters and no dad. It's true. Probably good to have some, like, concentrated parental support. Yeah. Oh, she opens a beauty shop in Orlando to earn extra money. Remember, she still knows how to do that. That's nice. Well, and yeah, she... I don't think it's a skill you lose. Good to have a hobby besides doing dangerous figure eights and planes. Yeah, fair. And she is still trying to get enough money to buy her own plane. She's also oh, offered a dream, though. Yeah. She's also offered a part in a feature-length movie, and of course, she accepted because that's awesome. Of course, this immediately did not go well. <laughs> For reasons that are incredibly obvious. <laughs> so the first scene she was supposed to be in was her walking around in tattered clothes, looking like a black stereotype. To which she said, I'm going to walk around outside and leave. <laughs> so she just straight up walks off the set, which good. Yeah, you know, that's a power move and I appreciate it. So February 1923, two years after she received her pilot's license, she had her first plane crash. I know, it's gonna be okay. But this was in no way her fault. The airplane engine just suddenly stopped working because that's I mean, not necessarily not her fault. Yeah. You can stall an engine. I don't know. How well designed were 1920s planes? What do you think? <laughs> Those engines probably stalled every like 50 seconds. Exactly! She's unfortunately badly injured. She has a broken leg, cracked ribs, her face is all cut up. Less than ideal. However, nothing keeps Bessie down. She fully heals, and she's back to flying and performing her incredibly dangerous tricks by 1925. That's only two years. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. That's actually a really quick turnaround from a really bad plane crash. Mm-hmm. And it is then, finally, Bessie's able to buy her own plane. Yay! Woo! So Bessie bought what was called a Jenny, a JN4 with an Ox-5 engine. And Sam specifically wrote that she doesn't know what that means, despite being the engineer out of the two of us. <laughs> I am not an engine person, I have told you this. That's true. One time, I casually asked Sam if she was interested in cars, because many mechanical engineers are. And what I got was a whole lecture about how Sam would not and would never change the oil of my car. Because you were gonna ask me to change the oil in your car. I wanted to know if you were interested in classic cars, like the Impala from Supernatural. I <laughs> am pretty sure you were gonna ask me to change the oil in your car. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to in that conversation. But eventually you were. So, now that she's got her own plane, she's going to return home to, to her hometown in Texas to perform for this massive crowd. 
However, as you may recall, Texas is racist. <laughs> Sorry, we just live in such a political climate right now where the way it's just like the thought that you need to recall Texas is racist is hilarious. <laughs> so it's not just like in front of your eyes 24-7. <laughs> so the venue, despite having a hometown hero in town, was like, yeah, we should have separate entrances for the black and white patrons so that they don't have to, I don't know, interact with each other. And Bessie was like, okay, well, in that case, bye, Felicia. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. You aren't, and the way you said it was hilarious. <laughs> this is how I get canceled. Uh, don't get me canceled with you. Sam, if I'm getting canceled, I'm taking you down with me. Uh, right back at you. I probably said some offensive stuff to someone. <laughs> so then Texas is like, no, wait, please come back. And through a series of probably very boring discussions, they said, okay, fine, we'll have one entrance, but we're still going to have segregated seating. But Bessie becomes famous for standing up for her beliefs, which she's been doing the whole time right now. But now it's like, well known. You look She stressed. did get a Texas, like, I don't know. Where do they do plane shows? Stadium, I guess. She got a Texas stadium to agree to have an integrated entrance. So I feel like that was a big, like, win, you know? It is. Honestly, it reminds me a lot of Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. I just like Ella Fitzgerald. I know you do. You bring her up a lot. Do I? I think you do. Okay, fine. April 30th, 1926. Bessie Coleman agrees to take a flight, a test flight, with William Wills. That was his name. And I'm, that's how I'm going to say it from now on. William, William, Wills. William Wills was piloting the plane. Bessie was sitting shotgun. And then, of course, at 3,000 feet, a loose wrench gets stuck in the side in the engine of the aircraft. Why there was a loose wrench, I don't know. Oh, the internet said it was for engine maintenance. They in just flight. left it the in flight? Yeah. So, Did like. If something started going wrong, Bessie could hop back there and, like, tighten a screw or something. Oh my god. Wow, okay. Because the wrench was there in case something went wrong with the engine. But in the end, it was the thing that went wrong with the engine. Okay. So William Wills lose control of the plane. Plane goes into a dive. Flips over. Bessie was not wearing a seatbelt. And that's the real lesson of the story. Always wear a seatbelt. Also, the plane didn't have a roof. It yeah, because was... they didn't have roofs then. Yeah, roofs weren't invented till the 1950s. That's common knowledge. So, it was supposed to be a joke, but I don't think it worked. <laughs> okay. Well, that would have been actually a very realistic timeline for like planes to get roofs. So I was like, oh, do you like just casually know when planes got roofs? That would be a thing I would randomly know. Yeah. We'll work on that. Okay. So Bessie 
falls to her death. Very sad. She was only 34, and she never got to open her own flight school. I know. That was her goal. You have no idea how upset it was. I was when I found out she died in a plane crash, and she wasn't even flying the goddamn plane. I know. <laughs> like, it made me so mad. <sighs> At least the guy who was flying the plane also didn't survive. That's right. <laughs> William Wills crashes the plane near her body, and then also dies. So, yeah. <laughs> not a happy ending. It had so much potential. Like, the story was going so well. I know! That's probably why she's not more famous. Oh yeah, she'd lived like another 20 years and like, opened her own flight school. She'd be so much more famous. Exactly. So her death was, of course, heartbreaking for feminists and civil rights communities. Because she had been so many firsts. She was the first African-American female pilot, the first Native American pilot at all. She was the first black person and first Native American person to earn an international pilot's license. There were funerals held for her in Florida and Chicago. The activist Ida B. Wells, she's very famous, and she will get her own episode at some point in the future, actually performs Bessie's funeral service in Chicago. Uh, but a quick teaser for the Ida B. Wells episode is that she was an activist and a journalist who was a founding member of the NAACP. Now, you may be wondering, Ellen, what else did they call Bessie? Well, she had many nicknames, including Brave Bess, Queen Bess, the only race aviatrix in the world. Not super fond of that one. Yeah, me neither, but it was on the list. Okay. In 1931, the Challengers Pilot Association of Chicago began doing an annual flyover of Bessie's grave. That's a nice tribute. 1977, um, African-American women's pilots formed the Bessie Coleman Aviators Club. So like, she's almost posthumously opening her own flight school. Almost. Yeah. In 1995, Bessie Coleman gets a stamp. Now it's time for the quote wall. Are you ready, Sam? Yes, quote wall. I love quote walls. Okay. <gasps> the air is the only place free from prejudices, which is unfortunately very topical. <laughs> I knew we had no aviators, neither men nor women, and I knew the race needed to be represented along this most important line, so I thought it my duty to risk my life to learn aviation. And then, I refuse to take no for an answer. Which is pretty evident by her entire life story. I really resonated with that one, honestly. <laughs> Tell them that as soon as I can walk, I'm going to fly. This was like right after the bad crash where she couldn't walk. And that is exactly what happened. Yeah, as soon as she could walk again, she flew. <laughs> You've never lived till you've flown. She's so cool. I really enjoyed this one. I'm glad. Thanks for picking a solid choice. Oh, yeah. I definitely knew I wanted to do her. But unfortunately, for a while, I couldn't remember her name. 
but I did remember that she was the first female African American pilot. So that, you googled it. There's only one of those. There's only one first, unless of course you're a gay character in a Disney film. Um, is that why on our list it says Claudia, first Amer African American pilot? That's what I thought it was. Yeah, her name is not Claudia. Cool, cool, cool. I still need to figure out who Claudia is, though. I mean, there's a lot of Claudias in the world. Do you want me to, like, find you a Claudia? That's, that's not really what I meant. <laughs> okay, we're going to ponder this. Sam, what have you spent too much time Googling? Okay, Ellen. Did you know that there are a lot more twins in the world right now than there were pre-1980? Oh, this is going to be weird, isn't it? There are roughly a million more twins born, like, now than there were pre-1980. So, you want to know why? I feel like the answer is going to be the rise in fertility services, but keep going. That's part of it, but, like, let me do There's my part more? because I let you Ooh. do yours. <laughs> did you let me, though? You know what? I did the notes. <laughs> I instigated you doing your part. <laughs> Okay. So please tell me. I actually really need to know now. So, it's gonna annoy me if I don't learn this. I know it will, which is why I'm gonna draw it out a little bit. By telling you that from about 1915, which is when they started recording this kind of stuff, until about 1980, about one in every 50 babies born was a twin, which is about 2% of babies born were twins. But then there was a significant rate increase that began around 1980 to the point that by 1995 it was about 2.5 percent of babies that were born were twins and one then time. what oh one time when i was in high school and had like an actual problem to deal with but i didn't want to think about that i decided that i desperately needed to know whether or not a population could become so small and so isolated that they could forget that twins exist? The answer is no. Any large enough population that could, like, say sustainable would have a, there's a high enough chance of twins that it's very unlikely they would just forget that's a thing that happens. Fascinating. Yeah, that was a weird time. Okay. <laughs> that was a story. Um, so, back to what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Where was I? Yeah, so 1995, 2.5% of babies born were twins. And then by 2001, the rate had surpassed 3%, which and then hit 3.3% 3 .3 by 2010, which, like, I know these sound like very close to other numbers, but when you think about the fact that, like, a percent of all babies born is, like, a lot, no, this like, is think freaky. about the scale. <laughs> Where is it coming from? Yeah. So pretty much by 2010, one out of every 30 babies born is a twin, which you, if you remember in 1980, it was one out of every 50. And that's only a 30 year period. So like, that's not natural growth. Yeah, that's freaky. What? <laughs> in, in 2010, the CDC calculated the number of twins born up until 2009. And 
the number of twins that would have been born if the 1980 and before twin rate had like stayed constant. And there were 865,000 extra twins. It's so many. So Wait, is this just in America or is this like worldwide? Um, they didn't specify, but I'm going to go with by the fact that it's the CDC doing this. It was America. Cool. And then the Atlantic increased that information because they had more data because they had up until 2012 data in the article I read. And between, so up until 2012 from 1980, there were a million nine thousand three hundred thirty-seven extra twins born between wow. nineteen eighty-one and twenty twelve. They counted all of these twins. So pretty much, the CDC started looking at like why this was happening because <laughs> you know that's a lot of extra twins, and plural pregnancies have a much higher rate of unfavorable impact for prenatal health, for preterm birth, and for lower birth weight, as well as they have a higher chance of like having maternal issues. So like. CDC wanted to know why these rates were going up so much. And you want to know what they found? Yes, you have to tell me now. <laughs> so about a third of the issue can be chalked up to the fact that most women who are having babies nowadays are having them a little bit older than like back in the olden days. And older women are more likely to have twins because when your body starts to get close to menopause, it like releases more eggs quite faster to just kind of like get rid of them. So if you're having babies like in your late 30s, early 40s, it's a lot more likely they're going to be twins than when you're younger. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so the researchers at the CDC found that this phenomenon of older women having children could be responsible for about a third of the insane increase in twins. But then what's the other two thirds? The other two thirds is because of the increase in popularity of infertility treatments and in vitro fertilization also yes. ovulation stimulation methods and so pretty much the like og fertility treatments a lot of them would put more like five six some, sometimes even like seven eggs inside of you because it was like not terribly likely that one would catch always so they would try and like up like up their chances by putting a bunch extra in yeah well how do you think they got john and kate plus eight yeah exactly and so Pretty much since that was how fertility treatments worked for a hot minute, they were getting like so many more plural pregnancies. Like when these fertility treatments were starting to ramp up in the early 2000s, the number of three and four embryo pregnancies skyrocketed to. So pretty much the out of all like embryo transfers that were happening, almost 40% of them had four embryos. and pretty much less than 10% of them were singular pregnancies. So that's kind of like what we're looking at in the early 2000s, which is when this issue really started to take off and we like hit 3% or more <laughs> was when they were like putting four plus babies into a woman. Yeah, I see how that could cause that very predictable result. However, the issue is going down now, actually. So They've gotten a lot better at fertility treatments in the last like 10 ish years, like a lot, a lot better to the point that now they can decently well implant one to two embryos into a woman and have a high likelihood of catching one. So pretty much 
the number of twins has stagnated over the last 10 years. Like it's about 3% still, which if you remember how quickly it was rising before, like you'd expect it to continue rising like that. And now it's like stagnated. And researchers think it's going to start going down and like even back out to natural rates again. Oh, yeah. Do you know that there's also a genetic element to twins? I did, but that would be incorporated in the like predictable natural rate of twin having and not in the inflation I, I that I'm talking about. I know. I wasn't arguing the inflation i'm also just thinking like uh with you we're talking about how older women are more likely to release multiple eggs mm -hmm. and is there like any kind of genetic component to that i don't know but you know that even to this day there's about fifty thousand extra twins born huh I, that sounds a like year a sorry i forgot the a year part <laughs> yeah i think twins sounds nice one and done. Birthing babies sounds awful. Yeah, but then you don't have to, you don't have to do it again. I don't want yeah. to do it at all. You don't have to. I know. <laughs> okay. Sam, I desperately needed to know that. I didn't <laughs> know I needed to know it, but then you mentioned it, and I had to know it. I'm glad. <laughs> but Sam, what did you learn today? I learned about Bessie Coleman about six hours ago <laughs> but then i learned about your fun take on bessie coleman <laughs> i think you're a little like a little too smug about knowing this research <laughs> not every episode can be a semi-obscure mary wollstonecraft figure that you've barely heard of I mean, I hadn't heard of Bessie Coleman until about six hours ago. Oh, that's on you. I mean, I think I'd heard the name, but I hadn't like, I didn't know much about her. All right, here's what I learned. There's so many more twins in the world that there by any natural rate should be. And a couple reasons for this. One, older women having kids. And two, the 2000s was a weird time for fertility treatments. <laughs> My mom had me in her 40s. Why didn't I get a twin? I don't know. Rude. I want one. Okay. You can't really work on that. Yeah. I had a twin in my sorority, but I haven't talked to her in like five years. <laughs> I didn't have a twin in my sorority. I was my big's only little. Then you had triplets. I did. Oh, it's hard to keep track of them. You would had three, right? You have two. You only had two. Actually, yeah. There I had were, three. Yeah, you had three. There were three of us, me and my two littles, which is why I got us matching cups that had three cactuses on them. I had three littles. I don't know why I projected that onto you. I don't know. I don't think anyone listen, littles listen to this. Well, yeah, no, they don't. Catherine is the only one who might, and I doubt she does. We'll work on it. We'll make Emily listen to this. Yeah. We made Julie listen, follow the Instagram, but I don't think there's any chance she's listening to it. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think she'd be our friend anymore if she did. <laughs> well, you know what? 
She's just jealous because we are the 215th most popular <laughs> history podcast in Iceland. <laughs> that email had so many qualifiers. <laughs> All right. So this episode was a mess. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find us on the internet, you can look for us at Chaos Podcast on in- Instagram, at underscore Chaos Podcast on Twitter. Or you can email us at chaospodcast21 at gmail.com. If you write us a five-star iTunes review, please screenshot it and either Instagram DM it or email it to us so I can send you a sticker. Because thank you and we love you and we really appreciate the reviews. (laughs) And also, new rule, if you're going to leave a negative review, you have to write why. We want constructive criticism, people. (laughs) Except for like don't, because I don't think my soul could take that. (laughs) I don't want to be criticized. Actually, I don't know what's worse, the no words reviews, bad reviews, or if they actually told us what was wrong. Well, there's a difference between, you know, just being mean and constructive criticism. Ellen, this is the internet. It's not going to be constructive criticism. Oh, God. The internet. (laughs) Anyway. We hope you enjoyed the chaos. (laughs) Safe travel.